Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. What's up, everybody? Jared here, coming to you live from the Deadbolt Mystery Society Studio. If you've never played a Deadbolt game, honestly, what are you doing? Like, go to the mirror right now, look at yourself and say, I should play a Deadbolt game at least once in my life, or else am I really fulfilling my purpose here? They should pay us more for these ads, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, I was wondering where this was going to end, and I was like, all right, he's keep going. Now. I'm just going to, one day I'm just going to go like a real, down a really deep, dark, almost dead bolty story path, and you're just going to have to jump in and divert us Stop a different it. way. Stop yes. <laughs> it. Is it going to be like our intro for our recon panel where I just have to keep you like, all right, now you're talking about Avatar. All right, real, real Jared back in, everybody. But no, we're super excited to be here today. We have got some very unique games to talk about today that we are super excited about. Ooh. Some print and play games, or technically they are called print cut escape games by ClueQuest. So be hanging around with us. We'll be right back after this break. Jared, how do they do it? How do they do what, man? Scarlet Envelope every month sends me a new game with a new story and new formatting, but it all works so well. Dude, I know. It's like one month I'm catching a serial killer in the 50s. Right? But then when another one, we had to stop the second Galaxy War. I know. And then the next month, I'm trying to rescue a dragon in the medieval kingdom. It's just crazy that every month they keep sending out a new game that also leads up to like this crazy secret society element. It's a gift. I don't know how they do it, but here's what I do know. If you want to go to scarletenvelope.com and use code PUZZLINGCOMPANY, all one word, you can get $10 off their catch-up bundle, which is a whole series of 13 games. Or you could just sign up monthly and journey with it. They're so fun. I'm so excited for the next one. I can't wait. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are here in our first section of the show, and we love to talk about games. It is of our philosophy that I would say about 75% of the fun of the games that we get to cover weekly are playing them. And then the other 25% is getting to talk about them. Yeah. Is that a fair breakdown? No, I think it's fair. I think it's different for different people, but I, I, for you and I, like, I think if I didn't get to do one of those things, I would feel like I missed out on part of the experience. Yeah. But we do this not to just like say things off the top of our head or speak rudely or unresearched about these things. We like to give an honest opinion, but a well-thought-out one. So here in our first section, we actually have to start with a few disclaimers about this game, which we don't often have to do, Zach. No, not usually. But there are three special situations or pieces of information that we feel like you need to know in order to understand a couple of things. Let's start at the top, though. Number one. Puzzling Company has a professional relationship with one of the owners of ClueQuest. Yes. Similar to what we did with Escape, I always think that that should be mentioned, that should be put out there. I promise them uh, the same fair review that I put out to everybody, but I think that that should be mentioned just mm -hmm. to keep everything fair. I've always been told that sunlight is the best disinfectant, so we put it all out there is what we're trying to say by that. Zach, 
what was our second issue? And ultimately, probably the most dismaying thing to this whole set of games we played. We printed the games. They were printed out, unfortunately, incorrect. Which two games did we play, by the way? One was The Prison of Memories, part one. And then we also played Operation EGG or Operation Egg. And they were both really, really very unique and different. But the problem was we didn't realize we printed all of these three games. The story is I went to FedEx. I printed all of these three stories, picked them up, looked great. We got back to the office. And as we started playing the first game, which was Operation Egg, we got to, I think it was the second puzzle. And I was like, how are we supposed to solve this? Mm -hmm. Quickly realized that all of our things, probably the bottom 10th, of every piece of paper. It was, it might've been a formatting issue, but we decided to continue on. It made the experience worse, but I think it's going to make our review better Mm. because we used a lot of hints on puzzles where we just very literally didn't have all the information. Yep. (laughs) I feel dumb about it, but we didn't do anything different. Like we printed them as they were. And like I said, it may have been a printer formatting issue. I don't know what it was, but that needs to be said beforehand as well. Agreed. And then the last one, I feel like this resonates more with Zach than with me, but we have to put out our biases. Yeah. Which is what? Oh, I'll, I'll make it very public. I am not a big fan of print play games at all. Why? I do not like the work that comes with them in terms of cutting, folding, printing. I just think it's not my style. And then usually in my opinion, playing these games getting things to work out exactly as they want to with paper doesn't always play out. And we'll talk more about that. But yeah, Zach and I, if we had to kind of rank all of the different types of games that we cover, print and plays are a struggle for us because we really sucked at arts and crafts as a kid. I talked to some people, they love print and plays. And I can see why based on what we play today, because oh, this yeah. is a fantastic print and play game. Yeah. But we have to put that all out there professional relationship we had printer issues and this is not our bag yeah as i say generally not my style of game but all of that being said i want to move into what we liked because honestly these are dope print and play games these are not your average print and play games and zach i want you to kick us off with the first thing that we loved because i know it really resonated with you yeah i really liked the art style that they used for the whole experience with the clue quest print and play escape games um, and their branding, like the whole, they had like a story that goes out through all of them in terms that they're all connected. I really like the art style they use because it's in all the print and plays it's in the videos. They have audio for the videos, all that kind of stuff. And it just, it looks very good. It's pretty crazy how well they did in terms of having the same animation style for like everything. And it looks great. We're going to meet the artist in our questions for creators section. So hang around for that. But yeah, I totally agree. And I want to touch a little bit more on the branding side. These characters exist not only through their digital games their print and play games, but also their physical escape rooms as well. And it was just so cool because Zach and I played games that didn't technically fall in the chronology that you could play these games, Mm. but the characters have lore. Yep. There's this bigger story going on and you're involving yourself in these as you play through them all. And I thought that was fascinating because I, I give me another game where we experience that Zach or another company that like has this strong of a character story arcs or of a brand. 
like I can think of other companies because, you know, we love and play so many, but in terms of like such a comprehensive idea, I don't know. Well, as I say, we've played other companies who have narratives that go on more than one game, but this is one that goes like the entire series and it's the same characters. Yes. It's not like, you know, we play some and there's like a continuation, like a part one, part two. Some of them have like a narrative that it's within the same like organization working, but it's different characters you interact with. This is the first like, you're going to meet Mr. Q and Mrs. Q and they're part of 99% of the adventure. Yeah, and, and you black sheep and yeah. you're, we've got to talk about your favorite character. Who's my favorite? <laughs> that we met in uh, the second game that we oh, played. Oh, like uh, Hammerschmidt or whatever his no, name is? No, the snail. Oh, Kevin the snail. Kevin the snail. I believe that's his name, yeah. But yeah, that's that's what's really cool. These characters come to life. It it feel, This is what it feels like a lot to me, is that a lot of the games we cover are like Marvel movies, but then they never put them together as the Avengers. This feels like the Avengers. I think that's a fair analysis. I get what you mean, yeah. It's... It's one world where they all connect instead of it being individual like characters on their own and never interacting. Yes, 100%. I get what you mean. And I, I want to talk more about that later, but right now I want to jump into the second like, which is there's some really strong puzzling yeah. in these games, which I think is really impressive being that print and plays, they give you the opportunities to do some things a little different, but, but by and large, I feel like they're one of the most limited mediums. Hmm. Um, but let, let's talk about that a little bit because these games just don't happen on paper. There is a digital element that you're working through. That's very strong. Yeah. Collectively. It's really great. I was very surprised how I wouldn't say how good, but I was surprised how many like really different and intriguing puzzles they added into this for a print and play. Cause I feel like the, the stereotype with print and plays is they're kind of on the simpler end. Yes. Most that I've or, played. Or, or directly the opposite. And or very they're different. horribly like because of the medium, like people are really stretching it. Yeah. To get something out of it. But this game, I felt like every puzzle that we did, I really liked, even though we might have struggled at points or we're missing some of it with like the printer issues. Like I felt like the puzzle made sense. And I was like, that's actually like a cool puzzle you could do with paper. Yeah. I thought they knocked it out of the park. Like. I hearken back to playing like some of the CU adventure games. And those are some of my favorite print and plays. Yeah. And these are up there in terms of puzzle quality, puzzle diversity. Yep. And the other thing that's really great about these puzzles. And I like this from a puzzle design perspective is a lot of the time, or I think every time you're putting in letters. Yeah. Like your answer is always a word or a phrase. They always make sense, but the puzzles are tiered in terms of how to do the puzzle and get the letters. Zach and I always picked up on pretty quickly mm -hmm. how to order the letters. There's always a way, but that seemed like a deeper level of puzzling that was going on inside of them. And that's honestly where we used most of our hints was, okay, we've got all of these letters. We really don't want to, you know, play our, puzzle hunt anagram on uns scrambler website type of stuff. Like they've said that there's an order. Let's dig a little deeper. And sometimes we were really surprised at how they were able to do that. And I kind of mm. like that. What did you think about that? No, I agree. It definitely was interesting having almost like a multi-layered puzzle, but one almost being by itself entirely ordering or understanding how the puzzle functions as an answer. Cause I think we would get like 80% of the puzzle done and understand the basic fundamental, but we were missing like the missing connection to finish the puzzle or make sense of what all the info we gathered. Yes. No, I, I think that's a great way of saying that. And then leveraging that 
with some of the really cool functionalities that you have on the website. Mm -hmm. It could be a 3D image that you're inspecting. It could be some type of moving object. They give you so many fresh looks that all of the puzzling feels very unique, very different, and it does work with what's going on in the story, Mm -hmm. right? Now, are there always all of these letters floating around every time that you're trying to solve a puzzle? No, but given for what it is, they stay so consistent and true with it that it kind of feels part of the style of what you're solving. Mm-hmm. What do we like last, Zach? We really liked the the hint system for this game. They had a the classic thing we love, a tiered hint system. Had two to three clues and then a solution. So pictures. you can play how you want. Yeah, pictures, explaining things, paragraph explaining info. Had a good tiered in terms of it was very simple and vague all the way up to telling you everything you needed. Uh, it was very well done. I liked that it was there was one for every puzzle, and uh, yeah, it was great. And even the system that you're putting the answers into is really cool because yeah. when you put a wrong answer in, it doesn't just say wrong answer. Like it gives you like a flashing answer that fits into kind of the world. Like there's just little touches throughout this entire experience that elevated it. And that's what I really think this is mm-hmm. is because of the hint system, because of the puzzles aren't. This is an elevated product. And other people have reviewed it highly. And I, for the most part, I have to agree with them. Yeah. Like if you're going to go out and do a print and play, this is in my top three of print and plays. Let's move now to the room for improvement. And Zach, I'll touch on the first one because I think I felt this a little bit more and -hmm. you kind of felt the second one a little bit more. And we definitely both felt the third one, which has kind of become a running joke with us. I personally felt like on a couple of puzzles, I could have used a little more signposting at the beginning. There were a couple Mm -hmm. of times and it happened more than once. And that's why I'm bringing it up where I'm staring at all the components. The system does a very good job of telling you which components you need. Mm -hmm. But I felt like me and maybe other players could use a little bit more of a nudge. Mm -hmm. Agree or disagree with that? I think I agree. I mean, we had a few points in the game where we caught on very quickly what we needed to do. Specifically, like in Prison of Memories, I felt like we had a lot of moments that we caught on pretty quick. Yes. To figuring out what you need to do or like what's the starting point. But I felt like when we played Operation Egg, maybe because it was the first one we played and a little bit in Prison of Memories, we had moments of just like, okay, we have all this info, but I literally have zero idea how you make this connect to this. Or, okay, I have a lot of things I can mess with, but how do you like start this? Do I start with this piece of paper and these like seven things I've cut out? Do I start with the other piece of paper that has five things cut out? It, it just felt like it didn't make sense in terms of, I wouldn't say make sense. It didn't feel like there was something I should start with. It just felt like I had a bunch of things. I just messed with it all and maybe it'd click. That's fair. Cause if you think about a puzzle, like a pathway, mm. we should be able to get onto the pathway and then through all of the zigs and the zags, we should know the right course to take, even though it's cryptic, right? That's how a puzzle works. Yeah. But for these, I felt like once we were on the path, we were cooking, but mm-hmm. I felt like maybe the, start of the past was a little more overgrown. It, mm-hmm. it felt like, you know, spotlight, give me, give me some type of spotlight. at at the beginning of some of these puzzles. Yeah. And that could have helped a little bit more. And again, this, this could also be the difference of some things hit with some people and others with don't, but I found myself, let's say there were 20 puzzles mm. between both of the games that we played. I think there were a little more, I would say in at least eight to nine of those at the beginning of those, I was like, Okay, well, like where do what do, give me give me something give me yeah. give me a little bit more to go on, and I think part of that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is sometimes the detail that you need in the puzzle is very small. 
Yeah, I mean, I think most of the time it wasn't that bad. I think there was one puzzle that I'm thinking of very clearly in Prison of Memories that I would agree with you on, that I was like, we found the rest of the puzzle in terms of like the small things we needed to find, or it was like decently sized. And then there was one where like, okay, I have no idea where we find this. And then we found it and we're like, okay, but they're all just gigantic. They were literally so small. We're like, yeah, there's no shot. We would have found that instantly. I want you to talk now about like, you mentioned this earlier with why you don't like print and plays in general, but I, we felt it a little bit in this one as well. But what is another room for improvement in these games that we played? Yeah. Um, so the other room for improvement we had was kind of imprecise moments in the game. So what I mean by that is that we are given tools either, you know, outside the game or specifically paper that we're supposed to cut out and put into place. And a puzzle requires you to place these items so that they line up at certain spots or put them next items, so on and so forth. It just felt like we had a few moments of that either the like, and this might have been a printing thing, so I don't want to blame it all on like, the creator because i don't think it was their fault entirely you know at all but like we would we would work on a puzzle and we'd have like this long ruler i'm gonna call it and we'd place it down between the two pages the page of the that we needed to work on and it was too long or too short or it felt like it wasn't supposed to sit there and i'm like okay well you know and then we looked at like the hint system to help us like make sure we're doing it right and it looked almost different on the hint system like it looked like it fit perfectly but for us i was like okay this doesn't like it feels like it's too long i'm like how am I supposed to get this to line up with like the example they gave me? Because it's clearly too long or doesn't fit in a place well enough. Yeah. The hard part with that is that you are putting a lot of the power, which like so not blaming the creator, but you almost blame the like the player almost has faults with it because it makes it where if I cut out something and I messed up just a little bit, or you know, we accidentally don't put enough inf- like effort into one part of like slicing something, it felt like we were severely punished for the puzzle in terms of yeah. like, okay, I have no idea how to do this now. Like, or we were missing and I'm like, okay, well I have to like bend it like this so that I get the right answer that the example shows me. Yeah. It, it's hard because in print and plays, a lot of times creators do take risk with exactly what you're talking about. They're asking the player to create the tool that they need to solve the puzzle. Mm. And for Zach and I, who cut with our feet, it looks like these are often issues for us. Even it's though not I that bad, I, I, I don't know. I had to recut one of your things today. I mean, but you forgot to cut something entirely. <laughs> all right, so I don't know if you can have much to talk about. I'm just saying. I'm just you throw some shade out there from time to time. I'm throw some shade out there from time to time. But I do agree with you when you when you give the players that much agency to say. Not only are you going to like use this tool, but you're going to make this tool, even though I'm kind of guiding you. Things can get off and janky and the intentions are good, but the output is not. And it can be frustrating sometimes. Yeah. And I, we had a couple of moments, I would say probably two moments in each game where it was like, oh, I felt like if this was just a little more precise, whether it be the, like you said, we got to revisit all of our asterisks here. I don't think it was a printer issue because I think everything still got resized equally. We were just missing things, mm. but it just felt, it felt off in mm. terms of like, there was one with a, a bookmark. Yeah. Um, that one was a little struggle. That That's the one that sticks out um, most in my mind. But at the end of the day, it's a risk that you take when it pays off. It's really cool. But I feel like it doesn't pay off a hundred percent of the time and that's a risk. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know if it's like you need to adjust your scale a little bit or da da da. I think like it's just a risk. I don't even know if you can as a print and play always a hundred percent mitigate unless you just make puzzles that 
don't use that whatsoever. Yeah. And then the last one just kind of cracks me up uh, a little bit, but they have these great videos. Oh yeah. That you are watching at the beginning throughout. It's got the characters, the characters all have voices, but Zach, all voices are not equal. <laughs> That's definitely true. <laughs> we just noticed that we had a few moments in the, uh, in pretty much every video that one character would talk at like a normal volume. It felt like in my opinion, and then one would blare over the other one. Like it would be like, as an example, in operation egg, there's a, a sidekick or a new partner you get. And I love the voice they did for it. It's, it's a good, the voice acting is fantastic, but it's a robotic voice. I'll tell you that. And it's louder than the other character by a decent amount. It felt like it when we watched it. And then in the second game, there are, um, I'll tell you these characters, Mr. And Mrs. Q are two main characters in the series and they talk pretty normal. And then I think his name is hammer Schmidt. He just yells over the, uh, over one of them in the second er, in prison of memories. when we were playing. Cause I was like, Jared just kept looking over me and I'd just be like, me, 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 me. hello, detective, <laughs> you know, like just completely one whispering. It felt like, but the other one's yelling. It just felt like there were some equalizer things going on yeah. in, in some of the videos. Like most of it was good, but it just felt like out of nowhere, the sound yelling. or the music would just jump. I'm going to propose a theory. Okay. The mice were never the loudest ones, but they're also the smallest creatures. So they did it on purpose. So it was done on purpose okay. to represent a mouse isn't going to sound that loud, but this giant human. Yeah. They're going to be really loud. This machine, this giant machine in comparison, it's going to be very loud, but no, it was, it was uh, <laughs> startling at some points. Like we were, we were casting it to our screen to watch and, um, it was, <laughs> it, it became a running joke, uh, because, like we said, the videos are great. The voice acting is fantastic. But yeah, the EQ was not was not there, it felt like. Could that be something on our end? I don't think it was. It could be. I mean, there's some weird... Maybe if it acts weird when getting cast. Yeah, maybe but, maybe, maybe when it's cast or some browsers. But we don't browsers. usually have issues with the audio. No, thing, no, no, so, no. Yeah. So th that was just like a funny thing that I think is like a simple fix. Yeah. Yeah. But it was that, funny. But that's really going to wrap us up. Overall... If you want to give a print and play a try, these are great ones to start. They yes. have nine of them, which is so impressive to me that you that can you can imagine that much content to go into print and play. Like, I think if I tried to make a print and play, I've imagined that before, and I just say like, stop, yeah. like stick to the stick to the escape rooms, Jared. Um, but I, I you you have the option to pick any of nine. They're talking about making more of these in the future, and they're all I think they all have a difficulty rating that I think is very well used. So yeah, you can go pick one. Some of them are in trilogies, different storylines. Be aware of that. But if you're up for trying a print and play, if you're looking for, again, we talked about this when we talked about print and plays, the advantages of this is download and play immediately. Yep. If you have a printer at home, download and play this immediately. If you're looking for something, stores are closed, go play one of these games. I think you'll really enjoy them. That's really going to wrap us up for our first section of the show. We have Puzzles to the People coming at you next. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. 
Man, I'm just really enjoying Deadbolt Mystery Society games lately. They're just giving me a real sense of nostalgia. Yeah, I've been really enjoying them. My favorite part about them is they just feel balanced. You get a little bit of an escape room, a little bit of a murder mystery. It kind of reminds me of those cartoon TV shows I grew up on. Same. There's one I'm specifically thinking of. It kind of involves a dog and some humans in it. Oh, the Jetsons. I love that show. Okay, close but wrong. No, they kind of like solve mysteries together. Oh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Okay, they don't solve mysteries. Courage literally does random things. Jared, I was specifically trying to tell you it's Scooby-Doo. That doesn't sound right. No, 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 Blue's Clues. Okay, they are solving puzzles and mysteries, but no, 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 no. I'm talking about Scooby-Doo. Well, at least the good thing for our listeners is if you like adult Scooby-Doo, you can play a Deadbolt Mystery Society game. And when you want to go purchase one, you can put in the promo code PC15 for 15% off subscriptions and single one-time boxes. No, I've got it. It's Air Bud. Jared, that's a real-life dog. That's not even animated, and he doesn't even solve crimes. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are here in the second section of the show that is Puzzles of the People, brought to you by the Deadbolt Mystery Society Studio. If you've never played a Deadbolt game before, you totally should. In this section of the show, I call it madness in my, in my opinion. In this part of the show, we generally talk about a topic that kind of relates to the game that we covered on the show, or about the community in general, or we sometimes look at the product's reviews on their website or on Amazon and kind of discuss them and see if we agree or disagree with them. It's kind of like a back and forth between me and Jared to see if we uh, agree on the same thing. Absolutely it is, and as per usual, you have no idea what's coming your way. I do not. I don't know if you're even ready for this. I actually have no idea what you're going to cover. <laughs> Usually I have some idea to a degree, like I can guess, but this one I actually have no idea. I want to talk more about the concept of branding okay. in games. Yeah. Because I, I really just can't get off of this. Like I'm, I've looked through some of our games that we have in our closet, which tend to be more of our mass markets. Uh-huh. I'm looking at our game wall and I just don't know of another better branded game than this in terms of all of their games, in terms of like thinking about recognition to say like, Oh, like if I just saw that right there, I'm looking right now at the cover sheet from prison of memories instantly. I know that's clue quest. Yeah. Even if you took off the little word that says a clue quest story, I know that that's Mr. Q. Yeah. Definitively. Well, I agree. I think the, the recognition of the branding for clue quest is phenomenal. It's, very well done. It's its own style from everything else, so it's very easy to recognize it. I mean, there are a lot of games we have that, or that we've played mass market that do have somewhat of a branding idea, but they cover everything. So as an example, I would say like Unlock. Specifically in Unlock, there is a character that is in a lot of the series, but is not in every one. So mm-hmm. if you, which is, uh, is it Dr. No Side, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Dr. No Side is, is in part of a lot. Of, he's, I think he's in like five of the games. Five, yeah, six. He, he usually averages like an appearance per box or every other box. Yeah. So he's around a lot. And that's why, like, if I saw that, I go like unlock just because I've seen it. And I've played most of those games, but I could make an argument that like, if you played one of the other ones that he's not in and you never know, so I'd be like, who's that character? Cause I, that's how I was when I first started playing him. It was that I had played the other ones. And then Jared had told me like, Oh yeah, like he shows up in other ones. Cause then we started playing more and I saw him show up more and more. And I was like, Oh, okay. So that's like, that's like my mascot on my head for unlock, you know, but a lot of the other games we play, there's really, they don't have like a quote unquote, like mascot, like, like Mr. Q or Mrs. Q or any of them like they do in the clue quest series. It's, it's very interesting to me because I'm looking through other games. 
there's running characters yep. in some of these, but in terms of style and continued character involvement, it's just not there. And, and this is what I mean by that. I think we talked about this and I think some of the most popular games, if you look at our entire world that people have played, it's, Hey, I've played an exit game. I've played an unlock game. I've played a hunt a killer. Mm-hmm. Like these are some of the bigger ones. There's more, but those are the ones that like come to present of mine. Apart from Dr. No Side in Unlocked, what's really great, but also maybe potentially limiting, and I think this is true in escape rooms too, is every different room or every different game, you get to explore something wildly different, right? In one exit game, I'm in a cabin. In another one, I am on a beach. Same thing for Unlocked, like I'm on a train, a Wild West train in one, and then it's Alice in Wonderland for another one. and The cool thing about that is you get to introduce new characters every single time and world build that. But what's the disadvantage of that? There's no continuity at all between those games other than this is made by Unlock. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But here's here's kind of the the opposition to that. We're going to give you a different story, different things every single time, but our characters are going to consistently remain here. And we are going to remind you again and again and build them, not just remind you, like, but continue to build out these characters and build out these worlds. And that's what Clue Quest is committed to. And it shows because, because this is, I've thought about this. I don't think there is a page of this print off game that I could show it to you and you wouldn't be able to tell me that was not Clue Quest. Yeah. And everything else like unless it is has the brand on it, like the words on it for a lot of the other games that we play. I don't know that it's, you just look at it and know what it is. Yeah. Right. I other, I, I'm thinking like, okay, you, if you saw Jack Fallow's artwork for cryptogram, but I mean, again, that's, yeah. that's the same thing. We're following the same character, but even that, this seems to simplify that Jack's are really ornate, really amazingly drawn characters. I don't know if you saw it out of context that you would know it, but for Clue Quest, it just is like, you can't forget this. Yeah. Your thoughts on all of that. Yeah. I also think of like a legend of game of maps. I think that style that they did with like the map and the writing and stuff, like I would think that's that, but that's specifically just a style of that game. Right. That's like a that's like a format choice. But the bra- yeah, but the branding specifically, I mean, Clue Quest is like the only one that really goes out in every in every category so that you know like from the style puzzle, from their website, from their pictures, from that, like you could show them any element, you'd be like, that's cool quest. And right. it, it's really well done. Cause I think the other part in terms of what you brought up about, like almost like the narrative with these games compared to other ones where this one's all like one connected universe in terms of that. It's you basically hang out with the, the society that is Q Mrs. Q and them is that I, what I find interesting in some of these games and specifically this one is that you're being called in to help, but you are, almost not the main character. You are essentially helping the main character solve these different puzzles and mysteries and solve crimes with them. While I think in other games, there is less of like a, why I think there's no mascot or main characters because you are the main character. It's Mm. not about, you have like NPCs or, you know, like other characters in games that are like, okay, we're here to help, but we're not really a part of it more than just helping you. Right. And these games, we're the ones helping them. So they're mostly important. Like, Mr. Q and Mrs. Q and them have to be very important because they're a part of everything and giving them narrative and like, you know, Professor Dr. Black Sheep, whatever his name is, like the bad guy, like what his story is and you get more background about him and who, who he was. 
passionate about all of them. I think that's what really makes it almost easier for me to get the branding idea is that you, you created like these really good characters, but specifically like one or two of them and you make them your mascot for everything and they yep. just, they work. And then like I said, the art style alone makes it very distinct from other ones that we've played. Absolutely. And that's what a brand is supposed to do. It is supposed to do two things. It is simultaneously supposed to communicate what your product is all about and make you distinct. Yeah. Right. Like, if I showed you a picture of the golden arches, we all know that's McDonald's. Yep. And that's, what's really great here is I cannot now separate these characters from clue quest. Yep. That's, that's a giant win mm-hmm. in my opinion for them. And that's, again, like you said, it's the art style and it's, it's everything they've done to go out of their way to sync all of this together. Mm. I think of another big brand that's in the escape room for us here in the States that's local to us. And that is the escape game. Like that is one of the most profitable. It's a publicly traded company. Like it is a wonderful escape room place to go play. Yep. Their brand is TEG. But at the same time, when I was thinking about that, it's like, I even think this might be a little bit better branded because nothing is the same between escape games there. Same thing with us at Murfreesboro escape rooms. Yep. You wouldn't know if I had you play five escape rooms and asked you to tell me which two of those came from the same company. I doubt you could. Yeah. I'd say the average customer we get at our escape rooms basically goes like, thinks we're all the same company. Anyways, everyone right. thinks you're the same one. Cause they, you know, it's, it's really hard to tell unless you make like a very clear artistic style or style of game that makes you completely different than every other escape room. Right. So the reason I'm, I'm harping on all of this is I think clue quest has locked in on one of the larger issues that we may have is I think we do ourselves sometimes a disservice when we jump into so many different storylines and there's just no continuity of branding to bring it all together. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking myself in the mirror when I say this, like what, what makes this all tick and sync and come together as something that is memorable and unifiable. Zach, look at our wall, look at our closet. Give me something that is, that is close. That really is a tough question. I don't, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if there really is any that does it as easily as clue quest does. There's like I said, there's a lot of games that we've played that do have like a style to them or like, I know they're like, I'm going to say Scarlet envelope as an example has like, I mean, clearly they come in a Scarlet envelope, right? Great idea. Yep. The, the Scarlet envelope, like symbol, their logo shows on most things. Like I know that it's them when I get their stuff. And then when I'm inside, I'm like, usually that makes sense with them. Like it all connects. It's like, that's good. But it, I think it's just hard because you have something like Mr. Q with clue quest. And it's just so easy to know, like that's that. While I think other games have that style, like I think Hinks has kind of like an art style sometimes that I can make a connection with and like how they do with how they write out things like on their information stuff. Like it's usually the same type of font. And I'm like, that makes like I can make that connection between things. I think a lot of games have like, let's say 50% of the element of like having the branding in it. Yeah. You would understand like that's them. But outside of that, like it stops at that point. It feels like Clue Quest, from what I know, does it 100%. Yeah, I agree. The uh, looking at some of our like big box mass marketers, the only one that I can think of is like I think if I handed you like an egg from Dig It Up, you would be like, "Yeah, I know what this is from." Like you would instantly yeah. you would, because the product is so unique, you would instantly go to that. 
But by and large, a lot of the other bigger companies, they just rely on, I would call it more of the branding of our industry more than their individual brand. Like it's unlock, exit the room, escape room, the game. Like the brand is telling you what it is so that you feel more comfortable with it. Yeah. But yeah, by and large, I, I, it just has struck me so much, like how much of a win this is for them because now the brand is speaking with ever, without ever having to like write anything or open its mouth. And that's what you want to do. Yeah. Like I'm getting off the highway. All I need to see is that green and black and that weird mermaid lady to know that there's a Starbucks at this exit. Like it's just so powerful. <laughs> you're making a funny face at me. Yeah, no, you're good. Is that not what it is? Yeah, I just, the way you worded it, I was like, the heck is he talking about? I was like, oh, he's talking about Starbucks. That's funny. But I'm saying like, they've even made board games based off of this of like around the world's strongest brands where I show you part of it and you're like, that's that. That's how powerful this is. And I just think it's a really cool lesson learned from this company. Like this is the power of really strong branding and really intentional branding. And, you know, I hope it pays off for them because- it will stick with me. Like, I don't think you'll ever be able to not show me something that if I see even something that looks vaguely familiar to Mr. Q and maybe there's a little, I don't know what, what's, what's the deal with like mice as your logo for successful companies. I don't know. Like, is this a Disney world play? Like, what are we talking about here? Could be. I don't know. Who knows? But maybe we'll talk about that more with our creators. Oh, okay. We've got two of the creatives from clue quest that we're going to get to talk with in our next section. So We'll be right back for questions for creators. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Hey, I just got back from the mail. Looks like we've got a new game to play. Oh, really? What is it? It's the new Escape the Crate game. Oh, I've been excited about this one. I'm personally a little confused. Okay. The title on the box just says Hood Unit. Okay, can you spell that? W-H-O-D-U-N-I-T. Oh, it's Who Done It, Jared. Yeah, and the new Escape the Crate game, it's the Escape Who Done It. It's like a classic murder mystery, but with a twist ending. I mean, agree to disagree on pronunciation, and by the way, it's twist, not twist. Okay. But what you can do is go over to escape-the-crate.com and use code PUZZLINGCO, puzzling C-O, all one word, and you'll get 25% off your first subscription order or any single retired box that they have. Welcome back to Puzzling Company here in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. Here in our third section, we get to meet the people that create these games. And I just love talking to these people so much. I feel like I've learned so much from them. I've been inspired by them. Like, it's just really, really amazing how creative the human brain can be. Mm -hmm. And today is no exception. As I mentioned, we're going to get to meet with two people, one an owner and one an employee that both work on the creative aspects of what's happening with the print and plays from ClueQuest, but as well as some of their physical escape rooms too. And I say we dive right in and meet them. So first of all, I just want to say Gigi and Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show with us. Gigi, I want to start with you. You are one of the owners and founders of ClueQuest. Give us a little bit of that origin story about how you got the escape room going and then lead us all the way up until when you guys were starting to make the print cut escape games. So we are now eight years old and uh, ClueQuest was actually like uh, one of my brother's idea that he heard about an escape room 
that is is some strange place that people are locking people into a room and Gabor was already uh, living in the UK and he just told us after our grandma's uh, Sunday lunch that what if we launch a company together and what if this is an escape room and we were like okay <laughs> what it is I don't know I, I was coming from a creative area like from theater and improvising and this kind of stuff and we we started the we went to an escape room it was para park actually it was uh, the first escape room in europe and actually it was invented by people from our old school where we went all our four brothers so the first escape room was originally from our homeland city we went there we liked it and we we started our company in in london we were the second company in london now we are the oldest and after a lot of time three locations and lot of experience lot of good fun for for people lot of experience i remember from the first place when we moved from the first place to the second one in the first place we had one room just one room we have now 11 rooms when we needed to move it was big storm and everything and we put all our stuff everything in just one car in a van and we moved to the to the other location uh, the first location was in tottenham and we moved to the other location together with all family power and my wife was just sitting on me and like and it is also still a family business so we rely on each other and we try to make it as a as a family business still my father is traveling to london and taking care of the place as well and everyone is helping each other and we we don't want to have this corporate scale or or anything like this we we love to to have this feeling and also in the pandemic when it arrived every uh, game was down on zero i think it was very frightening for every member of the escape room industry like you had a lot of games and in 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 one one day you had zero games in front of you and zero income and and everything and so we had a, uh, an emergency meeting in the board like what is happening because we don't want it to die as a company and on the meeting i i was already working on an idea what we could do like guys i have a great idea let's let's post something to people that they can play home and i was already taking notes and making making drawings and everything and all, also all part of the family was trying to invent some other ideas so we we went through all the ideas what all other uh, companies later also did like a uh, live youtube channel escape or like first person shooter escape or anything like this but we decided to do this and after i guess three weeks we were ready with the first game so we were working 24 7 and we were ready with, with the first episode 
uh, stolen IQ. And it was at that time, it was a great success because also all, uh, all our fans and people were very empathetic on, uh, on everything. We, we sold 600 games on the first day, really. And uh, after that, everyone knows what, what in the pandemic happened. But after two years now, it will be uh, two years. We created more than 200 pages with creative artwork and, and uh, puzzles and more than 80 puzzles in this time, in these two years. And now we are still alive. There is a new medium like Puzzle Post and, and Play at Home in this all horrible uh, things from pandemic. And nowadays it was some great thing was born, like Play at Home, Do It Yourself. It's a great thing. And new, new kind of industry inside the escape rooms. And we knew that you used to be actually a game master for the physical escape games, but you were able to stay on and kind of get a new role as doing kind of some of the creative slash story elements for the games, for the print plays. How's that been working out? Um, yeah, and I mean, it was, it was all obviously around the pandemic. So I started in QuickQuest in about 2018. At the time, I was imagining I probably wouldn't be there very long. It was a part-time job, probably just going to tie me over, but I, I loved it. So I kept sticking around, kept trying to find more things to do. Um, and then, as Gigi said, when the, when the pandemic happened and the escape rooms just shut, like suddenly all the games makers like me, we had basically nothing to do. And there was furlough and stuff, so we were, you know, we were okay. But, you know, I, I, was, I was, you know, I wanted to, you know, to do stuff. So um, when we started making the, the games, they started becoming little ways to get involved. So there was like, you know, it was like, can anyone help do some proofreading of this, of the game we're making? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. You know, writing is something I've always been good at. So I started to get a little bit more involved in the writing side. Then when we came to like the games, obviously got the videos of the characters and, and they needed voices. Um, and, you know, I've got a bit of acting I've done. So I started getting involved on the acting side as well and managed to land the voice of Mr. Q, which is a pretty big deal. Make yourself the voice of the company's primary character. <laughs> that was good. And yeah, it just kind of started to, to drift in. Like it was something that I was enjoying. I had quite a lot of things I could bring. Little detailed stuff that wasn't necessarily time. Like, you because know, Giggy and the guys created that first one. He said in three weeks, which was, I still don't know how. <laughs> like it's such a quick turnaround. But there was lots of little points where there was room for improvements, but there just wasn't anyone to do it. There wasn't the time or the resources. And it's like, that was stuff I could get involved in. So that kind of how I got involved slowly doing little things. And we found over time that Diggy and I just like worked really well together. And like, yeah, so I think some of the things I bring in kind of filled in the gaps that were there. And then I, by the two or three in, I was helping to write the scripts for the videos and then perform them and also like wrangle other people um, to perform them. And then puzzle testing came in, like let's in and so it started off with just me doing it and then also getting other people involved, test stuff, getting to know the systems that we used to make it. It was like lots of different ways to ease off pressure. Um, so by the time we got to some of the later ones, Dick <coughs> and I were just like fully working together. And that was great for me because I actually now live in Scotland. During the pandemic, me and my household, we decided to, to move out of London. Uh, I live with some people, they wanted to they wanted to move out of London and they invited me to come and move with them. And at that point, I was like, I guess that's it for, for me and ClueQuest. 
like, um, it's just going to suck, but it seems like a good move. So I said to, to Gabs um, that he was moving, and, um, and he turned around and was like, do you want to stay? Do you want to stay on? And I was, yes. <laughs> yes, I would like that. And so, yeah, the print cut escape thing for me has been great because it's taken off and become more of an established thing. Like, this will work. We're now sort of trying to branch out and do some other stuff, do some stuff with bigger companies. Um, and hopefully that can develop more and more and become like a big part of the game. And that's you know, wonderful for me. It gives me another way to keep getting involved and to keep helping develop stuff. So I know you both work on design elements of both your at-home games and your escape games. Just tell us all, what are some of the things that are the same? And then what's different? What limitations are you running into? And how do you think differently when you're creating a print-and-play game versus when you're creating an escape room? So in the process, I was trying to save all my knowledge from existing rooms. I mean, the process, like uh, creating flowcharts and this kind of stuff. But at one time, I also recognize that it's not everything is working. Like uh, in most of the times, we use just linear flowchart because there is no games maker in these places and we don't want to get people too much lost in this space. Like at home, they also are harder to grab for help because they are alone. So they don't want to tell themselves that, okay, we need help. No, 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 we don't need, we can't do it. Still, they don't have sometimes the energy to go on with the game. But I'm a graphic designer. I learned in the University of Fine Arts and I really love to draw. So I was trying to get from decide the puzzles, what could be hidden inside the drawing, hidden structure inside the drawing. One big hard point of this is also there are not so easy to uh, have red herrings here because there is no environment. People see just, just the puzzle. But sometimes I try to draw more or draw a lot of things even if it's just a puzzle to find something, because I want to have this environment for the people to what they get in, in uh, real life. And also this, this works very similar to regular escape rooms. Like the invention of puzzle is also by making it, folding, trying to work inverse, like, I make puzzles like I try to do it like, okay, let's say I don't have the puzzle. I just try to work on it. But I try to behave if it's already existing and it's ready. So I try to solve the puzzle by making it. And I'm asking myself, what do I want from the people? I want, I want them to fold something. Then I try to fold a paper without the puzzle to invent it how it will work. And there is also a great new space and environment for these puzzles because paper itself, if you play alpha brain system, there are a lot of three-dimensional puzzles, like a little bit origami, but you, you want to keep this very good thing from escape rooms that everyone can do it without knowledge. 
and this is our main principle no mass no no history knowledge no origami knowledge nothing and you want to keep it simple but you can also with our system include videos you can include periscope views lot of things and so it's in principle is is the same and it was also very freeing for for me to have a new medium to have a lot of new space for yourself to invent puzzles and it was very good that i i could draw a lot because i really love to draw everything and there was now a space to do this so we know that both of you are, are most of the creative team for the Clue Quest print and plays and some of the, the physical escape games. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about how you guys actually tackle projects together? Because I know you guys have to work together on things. So does Andy work on certain parts or do you work on other things? What do you do? I mean, I would say in terms of the yeah, dynamic, like Gigi is kind of the creative powerhouse in terms of like the puzzles and the art. Like, you know, 99 probably percent of the puzzles are coming from Gigi, all the arts coming from Gigi. Um, Gigi has incredible ability to just suddenly go, I have a thing. It is, I had nothing. And now I have a thing. Like, because of the layer around it, like the most these days, like all the writing pretty much in the game. So not just the scripts, but you know, the text, the, the mission briefs, the clues, any sort of text, the introductions, that's all coming from me. Um, and also like, as we've, we've gone through, we, we've kind of, it worked a bit closer together on earlier in the game. So like Gigi might have 23 ideas for puzzles and we'll go for it and be like, okay, maybe not that bit. Maybe maybe lose this bit. We'll refine that bit. We can let's take that. When we will work through the story um, of the game, like together, like is where we kind of, you know, again, Gigi will come up with a lot of ideas to start with. And that's never been my strong point. Like trying to generate ideas of nothing is hard. Taking someone else's idea and going, we can change it in these five ways and it will be slicker and cooler like that's what i love so yeah that kind of process of like a lot of the the writing um and the the stuff around it kind of bring it all together and make it cohesive and a bit of ui as well i mean that's kind of become everyone we've got another guy we work with quite a lot who knows the system very well and can develop new things for us which is really cool i'll often do like start to create the game itself within our system like take the puzzles he's making them plot them into the thing so we have a functioning game, and then we can start to refine it by bringing in extra art, bringing in new new coding and stuff from some of the more specialist guys. So yeah, the kind of uh, the writing and the and, and things like the clues, because clues is a big thing. Gigi touched on it just now. When you're playing an escape room and you have a live GM, their whole art is knowing when to speak, knowing like. When do I step in? When and what and how much do I give you? Like we're very lucky because I played a lot of escape games and they all have different styles of GMing. Something I really like about how we do stuff at ClueQuest is where we've got a direct voice link to you and we're watching you all the time. So it's that art of like being okay. This this team is struggling. They've got ninety five percent of what they need to do. They're just missing this one thing. So I can give them that one thing rather than having to spell it all out for them. With a game like PCE games, you can't do that because you're not there. And that's that can be quite tricky. Um, now, we sometimes have that luxury. We do sometimes run games live for teams. Um, you know, you might have like a, especially during the pandemic, but now even still now, sometimes if you've got a group of people that you can't bring together physically, then we'll, we'll run a little event for you. So you'll have 
me on, on the Zoom call whilst you're playing your game, and then it, you can still run it the same way. But for most PC games, it's people at home. And so that cluing process can be quite tricky now to approach. And, and it's something that we refine over time. Like, so we'll write some stuff and we'll get some people to try them. Then we'll maybe have to launch the game and go in and see, like, okay, this clue, like, we, we have some stats in the back so we can see, like, okay, like, 50 people used the first clue and 49 people used the second clue. The first clue is probably not helpful enough and we can, we can refine it over time. So that's like, something we like to do is constantly, and that's something people have always done, actually, is constantly looking at the games and being like, can we still make them better? Which was another thing in the first place that got me more involved in FreeQuest. I was a very opinionated person. I was already run like a hundred games. I'm like, well, if we just change this thing, it will be better. And like badgering the bosses, like, can we change the thing? And then they change the thing and it was cool and it's really exciting. And we started to do that more and more. So it's been really, that's cool. And that's kind of another thing, I suppose, touching on what you asked about the differences between physical games and, and the, these print and cut things is like it can be a lot easier to change stuff. Again, that early process, like, you know, you just know, like, you have to build a giant prop and then test it and be like, oh no, it doesn't work. We can, Giggy can draw something. I say, like, it's really easy. Giggy can spend hours drawing a beautiful piece of artwork. Um, and then, but it can be easily tweaked. It can be easily reprinted. It can be easily designed. So that's, that's cool. You can just do something and see if it works and then tweak it, which is really cool. And I really wanted to add that uh, everyone who is working in creative field, that I really love to work with Andy because we can have an honest relationship in work. So we can tell each other your idea is good or bad, honestly, without fearing that you get a bad response from the other. And I think this is the main principle of creative uh, working together in games or, or with games, that you can be honest with each other. That's it. We spent the whole middle section talking about your characters and your brand. In your own words, just tell us why that's so crucial to what you all are doing. So, Mr. Q and yeah, Professor Black Sheep and all this all this uh, environment is at the beginning. Mr. Q was invented by me. Actually, I was going to university and I was very bored in history lessons, and I was drawing a mouse, like doing spy stuff. I don't know why I'm really in love with mouse, a mouse that can do things like this. There are several examples in history, like uh, Mickey Mouse, or we have a great uh, cartoon mouse trap, which is around a mouse or a mouse environment. And I was bored and I was drawing a lot of them. And after that, we founded the company. I made a lot of logo designs and one was with a mouse. Like, I don't know, I was, I was dropping, I was shy, but I was, I I dropped this in like, what if there is a mouse? And after that, we, we started the company and there was like a mythology was forming around this mouse and everything. Originally, it was the idea that there is a mouse who is making experiments on humans. Like this is was this was the oh. original idea when we started the company, and it was like, oh, make it more friendly, make it more positive, and it became a spy agency with uh, Mr. Q and his enemy, Professor Black Sheep, Professor Benjamin Shepard, and there were side characters like Lord Hammerschmidt, millionaire who don't want to be a lord. 
because he's afraid he has bad experience with war and uh, Mrs. Q, who also became a mouse in this internal history. And we have actually a very complicated and long inner story what we work with. So we are, I think uh, I can speak to you uh, uh, in your name as well, Andy, like we are addicted to story and storytelling, like watching good stories, being part of a good story, writing, inventing story. And this was a great opportunity to tell our story. We are not as Hollywood writers yet, but we had a story. We, we invented a lot of backstories that all these characters turned into animals in one great accident. And there was spy use of all this strange energy, what they uh, wanted to use. And so there were a lot of new and new characters and we love to work with this. And Print Cut Escape, this is a little bit different from live escape games because in a live escape game, you cannot really tell long stories because people are so excited in the room that they don't really care about what you, what you tell in the, in the game. So there are n- no real story turns inside the game. Before the game, you can tell the story. This is, I don't know, a predator. This is investigation room. And at the end, you can come up with the solution like, okay, you solved it. But in print catascape games and play at home games, you can involve cool videos with cool voices like Andy is Mr. Q, but he's also Lord Hammerschmidt and a lot of other characters. So like uh, Black Sheep and a lot of characters. So he's like a voice multi or I don't know how to say it, very positive or super positive. Like he's, he's a genius in this field also. And you can tell stories because you play them a video. You can see how the story is coming to the next stage. You play a video and there is a lot of other time, a lot of more time to telling your story like a comic or like this. So it was a big step up for our story that we can we can now tell our mythology to the people and i hope they love it and i hope they like it we still have a lot of stories we want to tell i hope we will have time to to make these games as well like prison of memories 2 3 4 and 5 who knows so can you tell us what's in the future for cluequest it's a little bit complicated because we are limited with powers I guess everyone says the same. A lot of plans, less power, and we are now open. We are thinking of a lot of ideas like making outdoor game, maybe. Also, I have a lot of ideas to making new print cut escape games. We have a lot of story ideas and scenario ideas. Like we have different types in print cut escape, like uh, storytelling, but we also have these survival escape training which is or mission egg which is a little bit like just fun game with uh, survival escape training is just like uh, halloween themed let's have some fun puzzle game with halloween with these characters 
And we have both in both fields a lot of ideas to tell our story and and all this. It is now a great decision what, what to make because now you are open as an escape room, but a new uh, medium was born out of nowhere, out of the pandemic. And what to do? Is it worth doing it? I don't know yet. We didn't decide it. What I can say, we are still very much in love with play-at-home games. We really love to do this because it's a great medium. You can tell a story. And it, it is also when we make live games, we see that people enjoy it to, to play these games, really. Like they get together, they even play with Zoom, with people and friends, other side of the world, doing a lot of things with all these bad things happened uh, with pandemic. It was an invention of a lot of good things as well. And this is part of it. And I think we will do new episodes in Brinkat Escape Area. I think we will make Prison of Memories 2 and 3 because we still have two more story ideas for that. But I think we will make it slower than than, uh, the others because we need to concentrate also on other things. And as Andy said, we are always on refining every puzzle and game until the end. Like we are still refining our first room because we think that even though people already played it, we want to give the best experience to people. And it's always worse to refine something, to make it better. And this takes also a lot of time. So we have a lot of plans. What, what I can promise that there will be also new print cut escape games because we love this medium. And we like to sort of try new things as well. So currently they're all pretty similar formula. We've got the print pack, we've got the online stuff, but we, we like to try stuff. So we've, we've been constantly bringing in new ideas, the online stuff. Uh, we've talked about maybe doing purely digital one, whether we will or not, whoever knows. We've talked about maybe having sort of games where different players online get different bits of information and they have to work together. Like we talked about lots of, there's lots of things maybe one day we'll get to try. So it's sort of, it's impossible, I would say, to say exactly where it will be in the future. Maybe we will, maybe next next year, next week, we'll, we'll try a new thing and be like, yeah, that's it now. Let's do some of it. So like, it's, it's never set in stone, I think, the thing. Like, we like to constantly try new stuff. And last, we always ask this question just because we think it's so important for creators to lift up and talk about other creators. What else have you guys been playing? What do you like to play? Anything that you'd recommend for our audience? Oh, man, that's a few. I can begin with, with this, this one because uh, I will be very short on this. I have now two children. So if I have some free time, I pretty love to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or be with my wife. So I almost just play with my kids. One is seven months old. The other is almost four. So I play Lego when, when I play and I sleep when I, when I have extra time in my life. So, But also to say, uh, when I was younger, I'm still young, but I, I pretty love the old PC games like the, I don't know, Common and Conquer, Settlers, the, the, the old stuff, UFO, this, all this environment. I was a big fan of all these games and 
all with my brothers we played together with these games and now i'm i'm doing what i already said i'm i'm a bit of a gamer i do enjoy my games of all sorts you know i used to do a lot of, a lot more video games and a lot of of, uh, play a lot of Warhammer, no games workshop stuff as well, which I still play a little bit of. I play a little bit of Blood Bowl and some new handsome guys up here. So I like my tabletop gaming and my board games and my video games. But um, I also really like role playing games, like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of thing. I've played that kind of thing for years, which I think is partly why I love stories so much. I love the storytelling and the, the world building element that comes with those kind of games, which is another reason I think I got so into like footprint card escape thing because there is that element of world building behind it and you have no idea how deep the rabbit hole goes if you just talk to me for hours about the, the backstory of one of the characters like ancestors all the way back to like the second world war there's a lot of there's a lot of lore out there so yeah like, i love i love those sort of storytelling games uh, anything with a good story i'm a sucker for I was going to say, you can find us in London because obviously like this is a, I know this is about the online stuff, but obviously we are, we you know, we're in escape room too. So we've got a, got a big old beautiful site in London near King's Cross, 11 escape rooms. I think it says four different games and VR stuff as well. It's all happening there. So if you're, if you're in London, um, you or anyone listening, uh, you know, come down and, and check it out. And in the online space, you can find us at cluequest.co.uk. And you can have all the play-at-home games there. And as we appreciate your invite to this interview, and we want to give uh, something to your fans as well, because you do a very cool thing that uh, you play and tell to others how was it. So uh, we want want to give a, uh, a discount to all people who wants to play our games uh, until fifteenth uh, of. April, just use the code ESCAPE22 uh, and you get 22% discount on all play at home games. And thank you for the interview. And we hope we could share our story with you. Thank you guys so, so, so much for coming on the show. Yes, thank you. It is great to get to know you and talk to you. Their website is cluequest.co.uk you can find all of their print and play games there you can download them instantly Gigi also mentioned a discount code that we will be putting in our show notes for you all Zach how can people help us yeah, there's a few different ways that you can help out Puzzling Company. The first is you can go and support us on Patreon if you like. Uh, you can go there and there'll be three different tiers that you can subscribe at to help us out there. You'll be able to interact with us and do monthly events that we get to do. Like right now, we're doing the Puzzle Hunt. We have done some things on Discord. We play some games together with some of our um, patrons, stuff like that. But that's a great way you can support us. The second way is you can go and leave us a five-star review on wherever you're listening to this podcast. If that's iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Wherever that is, leave us a five-star review. We'd super appreciate it. And the final way is you can go and follow us on social media at Puzzling Company at on Instagram and on Facebook. That would be dope. And be sure to check us out next week where, if I'm being 100% honest, we're not sure yet what next episode is going to be about. Things have shifted quite dramatically, and there will be an episode next week, but we know what's the week after that. 
we honestly don't know what's going to happen next week. So be sure to stay tuned. Yep. For Jared and Zach, this has been Puzzling Company. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. <laughs>